I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another edition of Two Man Advantage, the podcast, part of the Athletic Hockey Show Network. Pierre Lebrun, we are past the trade deadline. We're past Patrick Marlowe's incredible establishing of a new all-time games played record. It's all, it's playoff. It's almost playoff stretch time now, right? Are you feeling that? Are you feeling we're now we've moved on? We're in the, a new phase of the season. Yeah, and it's weird that the playoff races aren't nearly as compelling as normal. Yes, it's very sucks. strange, and I, and I think at the end of the day. It, it's got to do with all the head-to-head matchups I think that affect, you know, all the four-point games. Uh, in a normal year with everyone playing everyone, it really feels like everyone is so gelled up and there's, there's so much parity. But it's weird. You kind of know where this is kind of headed playoff-wise right now, for the most part. Yeah, no, and we're going to, speaking of playoff races uh, and teams that, we thought might have been in one, but aren't. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, Columbus GM Yarmo Kekalainen. Always a treat to chat with Yarmo. Uh, difficult times in Columbus, but we're going to uh, chat with Yarmo in a very short period of time. But you mentioned the playoff races and, you know, the, the sort of the drama may be a little bit muted. I, I, I watch again, second night in a row since Vancouver comes back after just, a, a you know, a, an incredible time with the COVID-19 variant and the, all of the drama that surrounded that team, the health issues. And now they've come back and all they've done is beat the best team in the North Division and one of the best teams in the NHL twice yeah, in a row in that. the I'll Toronto Maple Leafs. And so let there's two sides to this because, you know, how long ago, you know, we were talking about Jack Campbell and James, uh, James Myrtle's tremendous feature on Jack Campbell. And oh my gosh, what a great story. Now, it's like, oh, yeah, it's Myrtle's uh, fault. It's Myrtle's <laughs> fault. Uh, there's no yeah. question. Um, yeah, Jack Campbell's come back down the earth, which I don't think is shocking. I, I do think he's a better goalie than he's shown of late. So somewhere between of late and the uh, ten and zero peak is 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 a very very good backup. Um, but this all comes down to what the year started as. Freddie Anderson come playoff time. I mean that's the oh my goodness that's, that's the uh, that was the story before the puck drop in mid January and, uh, and it will come back to be the story if and when uh, I mean all signs point to him returning here and that'll be the story again as he uh, as he's a pending UFA and, and it it really you know comes down to uh, him and goal which is which is some pretty rich theater no question. But uh, 
listen. Well, hey. I got. I just want to interject here. I, I, I got a, I got something that you know, something sort of niggling that says, wait a minute. What if the story is not Jack Campbell and not Freddie Anderson, but Big Save Dave Riddich, oh, wow. a very under there, the there radar. Were a lot of big saves last night in Vancouver from Big Save Dave. <laughs> I can tell you that. I mean, two of those goals were horrendous. Yeah, horrendous <laughs> okay so i, I mean <laughs> like i don't know i mean tanner pearson sh- should be calling the league and asking to give one of those goals back but uh, oh i know that was not pretty shot. um anyway so yeah that's it is fast and of course you know again it creates as you point out it creates the the uh, consistent narrative around this Leaf team as we approach the playoffs well, they, and as we think about yeah, it. Yeah, and they're so well built. Like, like this should be the Leafs' year to finally win a playoff round and beyond. They really are. They're so deep. I, I, I love the construct. I love the pieces that Kyle Dubas has added. I love the Filino deal, as you know. It's all there, but could be. <laughs> Good goaltending symptom. Oh my goodness! And uh, you know, I was thinking ahead. If it is Toronto, Montreal, though, the Habs are, are, are just not looking oh. good at all right now. But pretty hard for them not to make it, wouldn't it? You know, that's just Toronto, Montreal, and the way both teams are playing. The Leafs should really handle that series. But could you just see where it's like Carey Price says, "Okay, let's go second win." Oh my goodness! There's so much well, like that could play out there. Oh yeah, well, and Carey Price out now with the concussion protocol. Yeah, and, sure. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, and yeah, exactly. And I uh, know the numbers don't add up, but uh, man, what it would be great to see. Just it would be such a great story. If but Vancouver it would be continues. an even better story yeah. if the Vancouver Canucks somehow made the playoffs. Wow! Yeah. I mean, wow. The schedule tells you that it's it's just too hard. In fact, that's part of what Montreal is facing. I know people don't like talking about it because it sounds like an excuse, but the Habs look gas to me. Um, yeah. When they got blanked by Ottawa the other day, I was working that game for TSN. It was their 11th game in 19 days. That's not what the NHL should be, right? Uh, and, and now Vancouver's going to live that. And they're not only going to live a similar schedule to the house, but they're going to live it actually having had an outbreak uh, yeah. on their team, which Montreal got lucky and didn't have. They only had the one one player, Yol Armia. So, but it would be sad. I mean, if the Canucks actually make this a race, you're going to have a lot of bandwagon Canucks. Canucks fans, I think, throughout the league. What a compelling story. Uh, well, so uh, we're going to touch on a couple of things before we uh, take a break and then come back to Yarmo Kekalainen. But uh, I go to the other compelling race uh, or compelling um, storyline vis-a-vis team breakouts and, you know, the impact. And can you overcome that to make the playoffs? And that's the Dallas Stars. And um, what a great it's just such a great story. And I got to tell you. And there it's was not a, surprising. I, I, I refuse to ever write them off this year because he kept, I looking, wrote at, them off. kept I'm looking at the games they could make up. And, um, I, honestly, I just, I, they were so, and they, you know, they, they had such a strange, you know, they couldn't get, you know, they were always going to overtime and losing in a shootout. And I was like, no. And then Nashville, of course, on their tear, I just thought Nashville had created enough separation. But as you and I speak today, Dallas one point back with two games in hand. And what what a great race. And and it's amazing when you look at that Dallas team, plus 17 uh, goal differential. Uh, Jamie Benn is, is playing Lights out again. They moved him to center. They're going to get Tyler Sagan back. Um, what about the kid, uh, Nick Robertson? Sorry, Jason Robertson, Nick's brother. Jason Robertson, 35 right. 
points. I making the Calder uh, look like the Calder was a slam dunk, but now uh, perhaps uh, I would say an interesting discussion, right? Yeah, no, I for sure. And his uh, I, and I don't have it in front of me, but his uh, production at five on five has been absolutely outstanding. And you know, again, when we think about that Stars team that went to Game Six of the Stanley Cup Final against Tampa, it was their depth, right? I mean, guys stepping up every single night to contribute. And Jason Robertson has been, you know, it's it, it's such a fascinating team, right? It's just uh, by, by the way, what I really uh, sorry to interrupt because you're going on forever, but yep, how good would it be to get Florida Tampa Bay in the first round? <laughs> All I mean, right, I mean that's yeah. what I want in, in that division. That's uh. And you can call it a rivalry all you want, but you 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 need to juice it up for real come playoff time, right? Uh, so that would well, be, okay. and they actually have fans in those buildings. I mean, that would yes. be a fun first round series. So I watch. I'm you know it's sort of like you know I'm in the south, so uh, but I watch that Carolina Tampa game. So back to back nights. Mm-hmm. Interesting. John Cooper goes back to Vasilevsky. Back to back didn't really work out. Uh, the Canes. Uh, lose in overtime in the first game and then come back and win 4-1 last night to take over. Well, they're still tied with Florida points-wise, but points percentage in first place. Carolina looks so good right now. And, you know, for people wondering why the Hurricanes didn't do a whole lot at the deadline, I mean, they made the Bay blurry deal, but because they didn't need to. (laughs) I mean, you know, trade deadline's overrated. and, And you do things if you have specific needs, but... If your team has all the mojo, you also don't want to mess with it. And I, I think the Hurricanes handled that pretty good at the deadline. Well, here and I'll say this: Cedric Paquette coming in early in early in the the process from Ottawa, Stanley Cup winner, key. And I disagree with you. So you you didn't say they didn't do anything, but I, I got to tell you, it, let me ask you this: Is there a place for Yanni Hockenpah? to be this year's Michael Kempney. Remember when Michael Kempney went to Washington? Well, I, I thought that was one of our questions for Ask the Dorks. Way to, uh, way to go. go through. Way to go. All right. Okay, we, we'll talk about that later then. <laughs> I didn't, I see, this is it. You read the questions from the Dorks and I have it. All right. That's why we work to, well together. All right. Last thing before we take a break and uh, chat with Yarmo Kekalainen. Interesting move. Roberto Luongo, named GM of the Canadian Effort at the World Championships uh, coming up later this uh, spring-slash-summer. Normally, the World Championships in a pre-Olympic year, they're they're kind of a big deal, right? Because, you know, it's a chance for uh, especially deeper nations like Canada and the United States. Chris Jury is going to be the GM of of Team USA at the World Championships. It's an opportunity, traditionally, to give an opportunity to younger players who might be on the edge of the Olympic bubble, an opportunity to play internationally, uh, show their commitment, play their way into consideration. I'm not sure we're going to see that. And I, I think that's a tough thing, but who knows? What What do you make of the Luongo well, thing and the World Championships? Yeah, I mean, that is the carrot, and you're really going to need that carrot this year because it sounds like they're setting up sort of a half bubble or some version of a bubble is what they're talking about uh, in Latvia, you know, again, through this pandemic to, to hold the tournament. So... I don't know that the players would be able to bring family, for example. I don't know that. I'm just guessing. So it, it might, it's going to be a tough sell. On the other hand, you know, Darren Dreger mentioned this on Insider Trading last night on TSN that he actually he's told that the response has been pretty good so far from some some pretty good young Canadian players uh, that you might see a Thomas Shabbat or a Carter Hart, etc. So that's 
Well, that bodes well for Canon. Again, I think that's the, that's the clear carrot, right, of, uh, of, of being trying to get on the radar for for Doug Armstrong and, uh, and and Beijing. So can't speak for Team USA, but certainly on the Team Canada side of things, it looks like they'll get a, a few a few decent players, and and that'll be interesting. Yeah, might be worth that. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm curious about. It. I, I got to tell you, the guy I'm curious about, um, you know, a guy like Carter Hart. Does he does he get an invite? Does he decide to go? Yeah, I'm not. You know, I just depending. mentioned him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> I just so I wanted to see if you were paying attention. To <laughs> Do you think he goes? I, I see. I think this is yeah, it, this could be critical go. to him. Yeah, yeah, I think he'll go. Yeah. We'll All see right, it's time to go to a break. You know, it's uh, some days you just don't have it, right? I mean, so... We're- Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As promised, joined now by Columbus Blue Jackets GM, Yarmo Kekalainen. Yarmo, thank you for coming to hang out with us. I, I did a little, I did, I did some research this morning and, and math is not my strong suit, certainly in the early morning, but uh, I think you started with the Ottawa Senators in 1995, which would make roughly 26 years not continuous. You were back in in Finland doing management stuff at one point, but that's a long time to be in the machinery of NHL management. And I wonder when you look back at this season, if if there's any way to prepare for you know what happened this year with you guys in Columbus and in the NHL. Any way to prepare for all of the challenges of this season as we head down the stretch? Well, we tried to do everything. We could to prepare for a season. You know, there's been a lot of curveballs starting from the pandemic and 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 the, the uh, environment or circumstances that we have to deal with and 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 everything around the protocol. That's by no means an excuse. Everybody's dealing with the same stuff, and uh, you gotta you gotta just keep keep getting through it. But um, I've been part of some some. Um, Builds that took a long time before the team got good. Never as a GM in the NHL, obviously, it's a little bit different. But um, yeah, it's never, never fun going through a stretch like we're going through right now. But uh, as we said at the deadline, we felt that it was necessary at this time to do a little bit of a reload. And we didn't think it was going to be easy down the stretch. That's for sure. Everybody's battling for their divisional spot not not only for the playoffs in the last couple of spots there or, or or the last spot in our division i should say but also the the seating and 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 they're they're all hungry for the points and we're just battling for our lives right now to uh to um you know stay in every game and and um do the best we can but uh yeah it's uh it, it's been a uh I always say it's a great learning experience when you go through adversity. It's it's um, it's not fun. It's uh, not something you often want to learn from. But um, I think that uh, times like this reveal character both in players and and in management and, and staff. And you just gotta take those lessons and and move forward and 
be better for it. Well, Yarmar, I'll, I'll preface this comment by knowing that GMs really don't enjoy selling at the trade deadline. They much prefer being on the other side. In fact, probably more fun a couple of years ago loading up and upsetting the 62 and lightning in the first round. But I will say that if if I had to crown a a champion of the deadline this year, I, I think we would give you the title given what you got back for a couple of pending UFAs. And I, I know they're good players and Nick Foligno means a lot to the franchise. David Savard's a top 4D. But I will tell you, and I said it on this podcast, so I have to sort of single myself out for being wrong. I did not think you could get a first round pick for either of those players. And, and I was absolutely blown away that you were able to orchestrate that. I was wondering if you could walk us through both deals as far as building that market up for each player. I think it, I think it just says how much teams value character. And uh, those, those two players have, have great character. They're great teammates. They're both leaders in their own way. Um, and and that, that's where the value comes from. It's not always just the things that you see on the ice and the points and the uh, statistics and the underlying numbers that everybody's talking about. It's the intangibles. And um, you you can count on those two guys to to come to the battle every single night, every single shift. And um, you know that's that's why our team has been successful in the past few years. We we made the playoffs four years in a row because because we had our core full of guys like that that show up every night, every day for work, uh, even on the non game days, and set the standard for everybody else and. And um, I, I think that that's the easy explanation in my books for the for the value that we got for them. And and it wasn't just one team or two teams; it was several teams uh, for both of those guys. And 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 I and I truly believe that it's because of the character they both have. I think a day before the Savard deal, I think the Savard deal went down on Saturday. It's such a blur for me. And uh, and a day before. I had a source from a from a team say, you know, you're almost telling people he already has a first on the table, and I was trying to figure out if you were doing the <laughs> poker thing or if you really had it. But clearly, you already had that on the table from Tampa, I guess. Yeah, I don't bluff in those situations because then if you bluff and all of a sudden you don't have it, and and you have to call that team back, and they say, well, you, you already told us you had a first round <laughs> on the table, then you look a little <laughs> foolish. I, I'm not much of a card player anyway, so. Uh, I don't bluff. If I make that statement, then then that is on the table. And obviously, something can change if they go with another player, and, and all of a sudden, the, the the offer that was on the table is gone. But but no, I I don't bluff. And and in this in this case, I tried to keep everybody interested, informed that here here's the uh, the ongoing price. If you want to stay in the race, that this is what you're going to have to pay. Him. And um, like I said, there was there was competition for those players. So uh, for our future and future parts and picks that we could get for them, there was a great situation because we had a few teams competing against each other, and 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 we were were happy with the return and sad with the departure of the players. But uh, like I said, it needed to be done at this time, and and um, you know we weren't right from the start of the year. It didn't look like we were a team that that was. We're going to compete for the Stanley Cup this year, and that's always the ultimate goal. I think, you know, make making the playoffs is great, and we at least get an opportunity to compete for the Stanley Cup. I also say that the worst thing to do in this league is to to finish one point out of the playoffs and, and draft 14th. 
and our 15th. And, um, you know, we were so inconsistent down the stretch. We were in, in the hunt. We were in the race for a long time, even with the inconsistent play. But once we dropped out of it and, and it became pretty evident that we weren't going to make the playoffs, this needed to be done. And and um, now, now we have some assets that we can either use for picks or, or you know, trades. As I've said many times, it's going to be an interesting summer with the uh, expansion draft coming up mm-hmm. and, and teams being cap cap squeezed and 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 with the salaries going up through the arbitration process, there's probably going to be some players available that you never thought would be because teams have to uh, fit under the salary cap. So I think it's good to have those assets. I think we can speed up our our uh, process here a little bit, and that's why we're calling it a reload. We, we have some young players that are maturing here fairly quickly, and, and um, you know, it's, it needed to be done. But now, now having gone through this rough patch after the uh, deadline, it, it's, it hasn't been fun. But but we didn't really expect it to be easy. To be honest with you, we thought we we're going to go through some struggles here down the stretch with the uh, with the players that departed being such a big part of our our team for such a long time. Yarmo, I'm curious about you know how you pivot now as a GM to you know where your focus is between. You know, now in the end of the regular season and, of course, then, you know, looking ahead to the draft in July, you've got three first round picks, um, but you've also got young players that I'm assuming that when you look, watch your roster on a nightly basis, that this is sort of like an extended tryout period for the young players that that are currently within the Blue Jackets organization. I wonder, you know, how important this next uh, period of time is for you when you look ahead to the draft, but also trying to assess what you already have in house. Yeah, it's very important. We, uh, we evaluate every night. And as I said, the adversity and reveals character and, and, um, we want, we want a, uh, full effort, hundred percent effort every night and compete through, through this. And, and we're not going to give up and we're not going to, uh, you know, um, lie down here and, and surrender for the rest of the year. We're, we're going to try to compete as hard as we can. And and that's a big part of the evaluation is that, that um, we want that type of character that, that we've had all these years that we had some success and we want that type of players on our roster. And, and it's definitely an opportunity for these younger players to show that they could belong in this level and, and take a bigger role on the team moving forward. And, and, um, yeah, we we got we got some games left here, and and every game and every shift's an opportunity to show us. Yeah, and and you've got cap space entering the off season, uh, Yarmo. Now, you know, as I think you once told me, there's cap space, but then you got to peel back the onion and, and look at where that cap space might go. And obviously, in your case, you know, perhaps a huge off season as far as Seth, Seth Jones being a year away from UFA, right? Um, I think Zach Wierenski's in the same boat. Um, so how, how do you think you approach all those things as far as, as building, you know, continuing to build around those two, you know, very special players? Yeah, we have that cap space for next year, and then, then it, uh, it will probably go pretty fast after that with, with the players yeah. that we need to sign. So you have to be pretty careful with the term of, of players that you signed this summer. So knowing that it'll affect the cap space the years after when, when we really do need it again. Uh, so it's, it's a delicate process, but um, you know, it's a, 
it's it's a, uh, a problem that we we've uh, looked at very closely, and I think it's it's very doable. And and um, the players that you mentioned, they 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 are the 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 new leadership of our group and the core of our group. Seth Jones is one of those players that for me. And through every tough game that we've had after the deadline has shown tremendous leadership on the ice, off the ice. He, he's battling um, like hell every game to show that, that um, the, the type of character that we want here. And, and that's great to see. And, and when a guy like that sets an example, that's, that's the best type of leadership. He, he's, uh, he's been tremendous. So, um, yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting, but but I think that um, I think we'll have some great opportunities uh, ahead of ahead of us too. Do you have a plan for for both uh, Seth and Zach in terms of a timing, in terms of how you would like things to unfold? Uh, can you characterize sort of how if you've had initial talks or if you've got a plan that you'd like to see unfold uh, as you think about heading into next fall and hopefully a return to normalcy around the world, but uh, certainly within the NHL walls, uh, how how you hope it might unfold? Yeah, I'd like to see both of those guys um, in blue jackets, unit four for long term and for a long time and hopefully for the rest of their careers. They're, they're, they're the heart and soul of our team. They're, I've, I've said this many times, I think they're among the best key pairings in the league. They log up 25 to 28 minutes every night, play all, all special team situations, power play, penalty killing, uh, all the crucial uh, situations of the game, whether you're protecting the lead or whether you're one goal behind. Those guys are always on the ice. They're against the, the, te the team's best forwards. Um, they can defend. They can, they can create offense. They're big guys that, that can battle and, and have shown through the uh, – toughest of the playoff series that they can rise on to another level. So we definitely want to keep that, that type of players for long term. I think they both have great character too and leadership, as I mentioned about Seth Jones, but I think Zach Wierenski is, is that too. And, um, you know, well, both are not real vocal loud guys, but both, both are determined to win and driven to win and, and guys that, their hands don't shake when the uh, the big games are on the line, and and uh, those are the type of guys you need. Yes, we certainly saw that in the play-in series win over Toronto last summer. Now, Guillermo, I think you know I've known you long enough. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I think part of the reason those two contract situations are paramount for your franchise, and you can agree or disagree, but it's been a tough couple of years here for players that have left, and uh, we you know Pierre Luc Dubois, first of all. <laughs> I still remember, Scott, I think you were at the draft too, being in the rink at that draft where you took Dubois over uh, uh, Yassi and I could hear the hush in the crowd. I've never heard that in 25 plus years of going to NHL drafts. I could hear the hush in the crowd. And then I remember after the draft walking past the interview area and all the Finnish journalists were grilling you at the after that pick. I'll never forget that either. But you seem to be handling it just fine. In a way, Long way of saying you had invested a lot in Pierre Luc Dubois, and the you know it's a body blow when a player like that asks for a trade. It's it's really hard. You know, you traded Josh Anderson in the off season when it didn't look like you could sign him. We know about uh, Panarin 
and Bobrovsky. So again, with, with Jones and Marinsky in mind, how important is this offseason as far as changing the perception of some of those things? You know, particularly I would say the, you know, Dubois forcing. Yeah. And I think each one of those um, situations were, were different from each other. You, um, you know, we, we, we've been kind of labeled as, as a, destination or or city or or franchise that players didn't want to stay stay with and that's not really accurate and it kind of aggravates me because there's a lot of things behind the scenes that you really can't talk about uh, you know we 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 make plans um who, with who we want to sign and who we want to continue with and then when the player departs everybody says that he didn't want to stay but that's not always ac- accurate so um, it's it's a it's a two way street. I've said it many times that we would have kept Artemi Panarin at any price. I, we offered him a contract that that's that by by far the biggest contract in the franchise history ever offered. But he was he had his mindset of going to New York, and there's no, no, not much you can do about it. We did everything that we possibly could to keep him, but you know that that was the player that we wanted to keep. And, and but you know everybody talks about the five departures or whatever the number was that year. Well, that's that's not really accurate what uh, what happened. But I'm not going to get into any more detail of that. Um, and then um, you know Pierre Luc Dubois, he, he he did what he did, and and um, we had to make a trade. And Josh Anderson's situation is completely different too because it was it was more about the business, and and you know we we offered him a long term contract that we thought was was very fair and I think that with the Canadian taxis he probably would have made more money with us had he stayed with us but but then you you have to make a decision with the player that that has um, arbitration rights and one year left before he gets to UFA whether you're gonna you, you're gonna battle that battle and let him walk into free agency or trade him at the deadline that year or try to trade him the year before and, and, and get more return that way and that's the route we took and and so, so every every situation with each one of those players was a little bit different, and and challenging. But um, you know, we um, we have a lot of players here, and a lot of players that have departed from Columbus. Uh, you know, Scott Hardenell being one of them, who always speaks very highly of Columbus and and his experience over here. And 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 he uh, he was in a few uh, good places in the NHL and 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 played in the NHL for a long time over a thousand games and, and he should know. And, and we have a very strong alumni guys that um, decided to stay in Columbus after their career. One of my best friends, Freddie Moudin, uh, won the cup in Tampa Bay and decided to uh, live in Columbus. Rick Nash probably could live anywhere in the world if he wanted to. And he, he resides in Columbus. So it's a great place to live and, and a great city and a passionate sports city. With the, when you look at the, uh, the football games with 105,000 people in the normal times every game and and the passion that the fans in Ohio have for, for sports and hockey. You look at the atmosphere that we had in the playoff games and when we had some success, it, it was incredible. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. I, I get chills just thinking about it. So it, it, it would be an incredible place to win the Stanley Cup in and and a great place to live. So I, th- I think the reputation that we've gotten that people don't want to be in Columbus is is, is nonsense. And, and we're a bit offended by it because I, I think that we, we have a, a 
right from the ownership down. We have a great franchise and we treat people the right way. We have great facility. We make, make, make it a, as good of a place for a pro athlete to be a, as it could possibly be. And I think we do the things the right way and, and have high expectations and, and we've had a good team. So I don't know what more you want um, as a pro athlete, but if, if you want a city of uh, 20 million people, then that's something we can offer. If you want a, uh, an oceanfront, that's something we can offer. And, and those are decisions that once you become a free, uh, unrestricted free agents you could you're allowed to make you're you have that uh, you've earned that right so we do the best we can to to um make it appealing and and get the guys that we want as part of our and core of our team to stay but but at the end of the day it's up to the players and and um then if they don't want to stay we wish them the best of luck with which i did with our timmy panarin with with sadness because because uh, when we got him from Chicago, I, I thought he could be one of the best players in the league. I think he's proven that he's one of the best players in the league, and right up there with, with the best of them in in my my uh, evaluation. And I think he's shown that in New York. He should be in the Hart Trophy consideration last year, this year. You know, I think he's going to be there every year for for the uh, foreseeable future. And and I'm certainly sad that we couldn't convince him to stay but but he's a good person and he was a great teammate and i wish him nothing but the best but you know we keep building and and um a lot a lot of our guys love it in columbus and so that's that's something that we're a little bit offended by that that uh there seems to be some kind of a reputation that columbus is not not a good place to be Yarmo, I can tell you both Pierre and I have spent uh, lots of nights in Columbus and we, we like Columbus. Now I, I know you don't, you, you don't sign the writers, yes, so. <laughs> but y- y- you talk about building, you know, what you are building in Columbus. And, and one of the, uh, one of the important building blocks, of course, is going to be your head coach and whoever that is. It, I, I just think it's interesting. You took over as GM in Columbus in February of 13 and um, the fall of 15, you hired John Tortorella um, you've traveled a lot of road together uh, with that team and, and had lots of ups and a few downs. But c- can you describe what, how you expect things to unfold as as you and John come to a decision on what's going to happen with the, the coaching position in Columbus? He's at the end of his deal and we'll see what happens. But how, how do you expect that to unfold? Well, we'll sit down face-to-face after the season like we do on a daily basis here on, on everything that's going going on around the team. Uh, I have tremendous amount of respect for what he's done for the franchise and for the team and and for a lot of individuals in, the, in their development. He's a demanding coach. He's as honest as they come. Some players handle it well. Some players don't. But as I say to all the players that, that kind of struggle with his style of coaching, is that later on you're going to appreciate somebody telling you uh, the truth right to your face rather than telling you something uh, that you want to hear in front of you and, and something else behind your back. That's never going to happen with torts. And that's why there are some conflicts every once in a while. And and me and him have some heated conversations every once in a while too, but but it never gets personal. We get through it and um, we shake hands and, and move forward. And and I really respect that kind of uh, character that he has. He's, he's, uh, he's, a, uh, he's, a, he's a very interesting guy. And, you know, we've had a lot of lengthy conversations about coaching, 
and player evaluation and player development and sometimes we don't agree and and then we agree to disagree and 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 move forward and keep keep talking about it and keep reflecting on on our conversations and I think that that uh, he's made me a better general manager understanding the the coaching side better and and uh, hopefully I've had a little bit of influence in him and understanding the player development side and and the projections that we have for players and and the roles we expect them to play and and how fast you can get there those are the kind of topics that that we talk about almost daily and and um, it's been interesting to say the least but as i said he's he's a, he's a great coach he's a, he's got all these wins in the league and he stayed in the league for a long time for a reason and and um, you know I, i have a lot of respect for him i mean as you point out i mean there've been you know, whether it was Pierre-Luc Dubois or Patrick Liney after he arrived, certainly most recently, you know, Max Domi out of the lineup uh, after some some things happened that John didn't like. Do you, do you guys talk about that, those kinds of decisions, roster decisions on a daily basis? Or do you step back from that? Or I, I'm just curious, we, again, we worked together so long that I'm assuming that, you know, that's a, the doors are open both ways. But I'm wondering on those kinds of decisions, do you... What's that? What's your relationship like with John on on those kinds of things? Oh, we talk about it heatedly after after every one of those and after every game and, and uh, yeah, we don't always always agree on the uh, on the um, on those uh, decisions and but he's adamant about the way he does things and I, I I have always had the philosophy that you let that you let the coach coach the way he he does you. Uh, uh, give me your opinion. You, you, um, he calls that I nud- nudge him, and uh, and I try to on some some decisions that lead into uh, his roster decisions or, or other decisions. But but then I let him coach because uh, that's that's his role, and and uh, he does it well. And and uh, but yeah, we we've had uh, we've had several conversations about it. You know, with Patrick Line at benching, for example. You know, we disagreed on the uh, on on the punishment on the on the crime. That's I guess that's the best way, way I could put it. I mean, I, I understand where he was coming from and 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 why the decision was made when he was benched, but I just I, I disagreed on the punishment on the crime, and that's that's where I leave it. But but um, you know, um, he, he's he's a good coach and he's setting his ways and 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 values and principles and and I have a lot of the same ones and, and I feel strongly about them and and um uh, yeah that's 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 our that's our daily process we talk about those things we talk about the uh the uh, decisions and the the games and and practices and and on individuals and and uh the system we play with, the special teams, and all kinds of different things that um, that uh, we deal with on a daily basis. Almost done here, Yermo, and uh, thanks again for taking this time today. Such a fascinating conversation. Um, we should touch on Liney. One thing that interests me, and, and I know they're completely different situations, and, and you know, you're not going to want to comment on what's going on in Winnipeg, but the biggest trade in years in this league, at least in the season or at the start of the season. But, you know, I, I think Dubois still trying to find himself in Winnipeg. And I don't think it's gone that great for Patrick with you guys. It's interesting. Now, are there reasons for that? Or, or obviously, there, 
I mean, what, what's your sense of, of, you know, the outcome of that deal so far? Well, I always say when, when you guys rate the, uh, the trades, uh, who won and, and who didn't, and you, know, you do that one hour after the trade was made, I, I, I do that, I do that <laughs> yeah. five years after the trade, but, but that's just me. And, and, uh, I know you guys have to come up with, with interesting topics and, and I respect that, but, uh, you know, it, it takes time. I've talked to, we have, we have so many old, um, NHL players in our staff and we've talked at length about, um, the experience of getting traded and 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 how it might take quite a long time before you get um, uh, used to the uh, the new environment, the teammates find chemistry, all those things. So good players find a way. Some find it quicker. Some take a little bit more time, and and how they fit and how comfortable they feel and and what how their role evolves and all those things. So. Uh, it, it always takes time and, and we're going to be patient with the guys that we got. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's work in progress there. I think, you know, Jack Roslovic has shown a lot of promise with us too. He's, he's, uh, I think he's, he's, he's got by far the most points out of those three, um, after the trade was made and right. nobody talks about him. But but he's yeah, definitely it, it, it wasn't called the Jack it wasn't called the Jack Russell victory at the time. No, sure. no, but but I mean he's work in progress on the other side of the puck. He's he's learning to play center for the first time full time in the NHL. And uh, the defensive side has been a challenge. The, the face-off circle has been a challenge for him. But those are the things a young player can learn if if he has the drive and desire to to do that. And uh, you know, he's he expressed strong Decided to play center in the league to us, and and I think that was part of it. Why why he uh, he wanted out of Winnipeg that he wasn't given the opportunity to do that. But you also have to earn that opportunity. So it's um, you know it's it's been an interesting process with him too. But he's only twenty two years old, and and uh, it's got a long way to go as a player. But there's a lot of potential there too. So. Uh, we're, we look forward to growing, growing with players like that. But as I said, you, uh, you you always have to earn your role. You always have to earn your ice time, and and that comes through hard work and desire to 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 get better every every day. And uh, that that to me is always the biggest thing with the young players, whether whether you're looking at the draft or or the the uh, trade that you just made for a young player is that. Does he have that character and desire to be become a better player every single day? Because if you're wasting days, you, you, you're wasting an opportunity to, to get better and you'll never get that day back. And that, that's a strong message that we always give to our young players. That don't, don't waste any days because you can never go back and, and, and recapture that opportunity. It's gone. And, and uh, that's why the, uh, the process that we have here with John Tortorella has been so valuable because uh, when when you're with him, and when when you're practicing with him, he's not going to allow you to waste waste any days, or or, or he's going to throw you off the ice. Um, to to uh, go think about it in the locker room, and 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 all the good coaches have that they're they're not going to let the team waste any days of of development uh, in that process to get better. Yarmo, yeah. I, I think that's a, a process we could all learn from is not to waste any days. That is for sure. But uh, it, it's been it's always great to catch up with you. And it's a fascinating time uh, ahead for you and the Blue Jackets. But thanks for you know spending some time and walking us through uh, all this kind of stuff. So thank you. And, and really the best of luck to you as you 
as you move forward. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Kitos. Hola, Huva. Pierre, I'm always I, I'm always enthused when I talk to Yarmo uh, because he's so direct and so honest. And, I, you know, I, I give him all kinds of credit because, you know, to come and chat and I was just like, it's amazing, frankly, to look at the standings now technically in eighth place in the central division. And really, like, I, I just I, I could not have seen this coming. I, I really like this team. I didn't know if they were going to be a playoff team. But, man, this has been this has been you, you know, a, a very difficult season and a huge step back for this team. Um, but I, ju- I just love his attitude and, and it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. Three first round picks, all those kinds of things. What, what's your, you know, what, what's your gut tell you about, about what's going on in Columbus? Well, first of all, I mean, he really did. Uh, I don't know if you agree or not, but who had a better trade deadline than him? I mean, maybe I just didn't think first round picks would be flying around like they did, but I can't believe he got that return. And, and listen, I really, in particular, value Nick Foligno, but still, I did not think he would get it first. Did you? I mean, I, I didn't. No, I didn't think any rental player. I thought if first went, it would be younger player, player with term. You know, I, I, there, I'm with you. I, I did not think it was going to happen, let alone that it would happen twice for the same team. Yeah, so that so that part was tremendous. But it's uh, it's a huge offseason. And, uh, and again, credit to Keiko Lennon for really answering it head on. Uh, he's got to extend Jones, uh, one of the best defensemen in the world. He's got to extend Marinsky, very talented defenseman. Got to figure out lining. And I don't want to read between the lines too much because it's unfair to do that. But when I asked him about Lange, he didn't really talk about him. <laughs> so, so I think there's clearly some disappointment about how uh, Lange has played so far. But more importantly, uh, he's up. He's RFA. And so yeah. I'm so curious how that contract negotiation goes. Partnered with, I know, some front offices that are planning to kick tires on that situation. So I don't know. So that one's interesting. Uh, but you know he's got cap room. I think what he was hinting at with that, uh, like you know, you, there are teams that are going to be really in trouble with the flat cap, and we've seen the premium premium already paid, right? With with what it costs to get out of that jam. So I think there's some opportunities. Right. Washington, there. yeah, there's some opportunities there for yep. for Columbus. So that'll be interesting, and and we know that he's not Yermo Kegelin is not scared to make uh, some pretty big moves. Um, and so I think he's going to be in the middle of a lot of things this off season. Yeah. Well, and he's got, you know, we didn't even talk about it, but he's got two goaltenders uh, who are, I think, you know, you make the case case that both Elvis Merzlikens and Eunice Corpusalo are starting NHL goaltenders. They both mm-hmm. have a year left on, on their respective deals. They have zero they don't have any pr- trade protection so he's you know again that's you know whether it's a team like Edmonton or whatever happens I mean there's gonna be a lot going on but uh, before we go to a break uh, to me all of this comes back to or so much of this comes back to what happens with Jordan Tortorella and right. I, again I, I just love how Yarma was so candid about like the, you know <laughs> they obviously have not and I don't think it's important, but they obviously have not always been in lockstep on exactly what's happening with the roster, how it's deployed. You know, this whole Max Domi thing is a real, you know, it has not worked out, right? It just has not worked out. Mm-hmm. Now, does it change if someone else is coaching that team? I, I don't know. But 
again, what's your gut tell well, you? Well, and, and again, I've, I've been on this this year. I think Aaron Portsliner, our, our terrific esteemed Blue Jackets beat writer, has as well. Keep in mind that with the John Tortorella situation, it's not your prototypical situation where the coach, I think, is 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 begging and hoping he's going to get extended. Uh, I, you know, I think that my sense of the situation is that John Tortorella himself has to decide what he wants, right. which is interesting. Exactly. It's a little different than your normal situation, right, with a coach, right? Um, yeah. And so it's a two way street there. One, Kekalonen has to decide about. The coach and and I think the coach has to decide about what he wants. So so that in itself was you know makes it quite inter- quite compelling uh, in terms of what's going to happen there. Yeah. Well. It, yes. It, it, I'm that team <laughs> is ha, you know has provided no end of storylines and narratives uh, during this crazy season. That's for sure. And it won't stop between now and. The end of the draft, and as we look ahead to training camp next year, it's uh, it's going to be fascinating. So, anyway, good stuff uh, by you. All right, as promised, we're going to go uh, come back with some questions and wrap things up. Uh, just curious, Pierre, do you think Carter Hart's a good bet to go to Worlds for Team Canada? Just, oh, well, I, I want to get this on the record. He's a good bet to be asked. Uh, hopefully, he says yes. But uh, yes, good work. Good work. All right. You see, I thought I rebounded well with the uh, Yarmo interview. I, I, I'm okay. You know, it's like, hey, you get a bad shift every once in a while, right? I, thank God Torts is not coaching us or I, I'd have been benched. I wouldn't be even around for the final segment. So. All right. Um, and this is what we're going to come back to a question from Matthew Jex, MJex19. Which underrated trade will be this year's sneaky good acquisition a la Michael Kempney? I gave you a hint, so you, you can't blow this up. Hmm. All right, I'll give you a couple. And yes, I do agree that I, I do like, uh, you know. Yanni Hockenpah. Yeah, I'm going to get to that last. I'm going to give okay. you a weird one because I don't even know if we're, we're sure going to see him. But I hope Riley Nash by the Leafs because a lot of people just viewed that as an LTIR deal. Kind of a, a little wrinkle of the Leafs did right days before the deadline to give themselves more room in. and of course that was a byproduct. but Riley Nash is a really good fourth line player I, I've grown to admire through some of the playoff series I've seen Columbus play and if and when he gets healthy I think that's a nice little add-on for the least in the bottom six and so there's there is an example I believe uh, you know of, of what could be end up being a, a sneaky pickup later in the playoffs um but yeah, I think uh, Hackenpaw is an interesting pickup by, by Carolina. They wanted some physicality. They wanted a they wanted right-handed shot. I, after the trade was made, I had a, a front office guy from a rival team immediately say, ooh, that's going to be a good fit for Carolina. So I, that's a great example there. Because let's be honest, that's not a... If that deal created any headlines on deadline day, it was more because a first-round pick and Hayden Fleury got dealt with. Right? More from that side. And uh, the guy I'm I, I'm so curious about, and he's already made an impact. Uh, and and we, you and I had talked about him. I remember talking to Eric DeHattrick about it. But Sam Bennett going to Florida from Calgary, you know, obviously just didn't didn't wasn't really a fit for him in Calgary. Uh, high pick, and uh, boy, just you know, he's got three goals, two assists in three games for Florida. And as you pointed out earlier, what a great series 
that Panther Lightning first ever all Florida playoff series. It would be Titanic. Honestly, I, I just, it would be so much fun. And I think Sam Bennett's going to be, he's a guy who can elevate come playoff time too. So good pick up there. Uh, how about this? How about um, a couple from Steve Van Eyck? Yes, does Minnesota have the best goalie duo in Kokkinen and Talbot? Interesting. I think there are some others out there, but what do you think? Well, I think it's pretty hard to beat Mark andre Fleury and Robin Leonard. As a goalie duo, that would be my one. I think when they're healthy, uh, Carey Price and Jake Allen are hard to beat. All they need now is some goal, some goal support from their teammates. Um, so those would be my top two pairing. But yeah, I mean, I think the point of the question is what a story. And that is absolutely right. And, and what a story Minnesota is. I, I mean, you know, you, they keep winning games and, and you keep handing. I mean, I, I think that <laughs> I couldn't have been more direct last week when we talked about this. But we keep handing Vegas and Colorado second round entries, right? But boy, the Wild have, have played a good a team game as, as anyone in that division this year. It might lead to your next question, by the way, about the Jack Adams. All right. Uh, also, I'm going back to it. See, you, you've taken over the Ask the Dork segment here. Uh, from Maureen, how about uh, she's asked about a number of different uh, trophies, but I am curious about Coach of the Year and, and where how you see that shaking down. So I do think Dean Everson deserves to be in the conversation. So so let me let me preface this by saying that I'm going based on how the voters use vote. You and I don't vote on this one. This is a broadcaster's award to Jack Adams. That's not right. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, it, it really comes down usually the criteria of the teams that surprise us the most. So I think based on that, when you look at what people thought of Minnesota before the year, and I'm not saying people thought they'd be lousy, but I think people view them as a bubble team, right? And, and they've certainly exceeded that. But if you really ask me, uh, the guy that there's a couple more names I want to get to, Paul Maurice in Winnipeg, the Jets were not a favorite pick. It's funny now, everyone's, I think, trying to fudge that and say, oh, yeah, we knew the Jets be good. I'm telling you, I asked a lot of people before the season about the Alcanan division. The Jets were rarely picked in the top four. I think Paul Maurice's work has been terrific this year. But the guy that I think should win is Joel Quenville. And again, I go to the criteria and how this award is felt out. No one saw this from the Florida Panthers. Nobody. And and it's real. It's sustainable. It continues to happen. And uh, I, I'd be surprised if you didn't win the Jack Adams. All right. I'm going to throw in Rod Brindamore there. I, I just, you know, continues to be for my money. Well, that sure, but, place. But, but here's the thing. Like, yeah. Okay. Like, you know, Brindamore, Pete the Boar, Jared Bednar. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, obviously yeah, no, their I teams know. are great, but I mean, they were supposed to be great, I guess is my point. Which is uh, unfortunate. It shouldn't be that way. Yeah, no, Adams, I, I, but, I know but, what you're saying. But I think that's what's going to hurt Brindamore. And I want to do. I want to give you the final question. And I'm gonna. I'm. Uh, my friend Al Lalon sends a question every week. Mostly, it's about personal grooming and whether you and I take yoga classes together and stuff like that. But his question this week, I'm just curious as we close out, and it's interesting given our conversation with, with Yarmo, is that basically given the challenge for scouting for the 21 draft, right? With the OHL just canceled, it's you know basically shut down for the rest of the season. It's just you know it's all over the place. Do you think that there will be teams 
who draft high, and whether that's Columbus or Detroit or Ottawa, who have had, you know, have a collection of high picks, um, maybe because of the uncertainty, they might be willing to trade those picks for a more known commodity. So younger players with term or players that are NHL ready on other in other organizations. Does that make sense? And I, th- I think it's an interesting question, so I think given how uncertain. Yeah, I think that's what Yarmo hinted at. If you listen yeah. to his answer on now, the fact that he's got three first round picks and this and that, I think he said it'd be, you know, whether we decide to use them more, in what capacity we use those. Essentially, I think that could really be So, yeah, that's that could be interesting because the Jackets aren't entering a rebuild. They're trying to flip this around quickly with the assets they have. And the assets they have that are most noteworthy are three first round picks in this draft and momentary cap space for this offseason. Yep. Those are yeah. two powerful uh, weapons entering what should be a crazy year around the Seattle Expansion Draft. Good. good job by you. All right. Um, and good job by Al. Well, what else we got going on in the podcast world? Former NHLer Kevin Weeks, such a great guy. The lead studio yes. analyst. At NHL Network is Craig Custance's guest this week on the full 60 as a guy who sort of dipped his toe into various management openings around the NHL. I th- think that's probably going to happen at some point for him. And Alex Tongay, assistant coach with the Iowa Wild. I didn't, You know what? I don't know if I knew that. Joins Mike Russo on Straight from the Source this week at The Athletic. Interesting guy, Alex Tongay. Great career for him. And you should check out our comment section for each podcast episode at The Athletic app and rate and subscribe to The Athletic Hockey Show on Apple. If you aren't already a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash hockey show and receive a subscription for just $3.99 per month. My friend, I apologize. I was a little bit off. You know, I had I had a slow start to this, slow start to the podcast day, but thank you for picking me up. It's okay. It's, it's the dog days of the season. I know you'll have your A game come to playoffs. Yeah. <laughs>